Welcome to Big Rich Brock and Friends. Big Rich brings his clean comedy and storytelling to the weekly podcast that is laugh out loud and funny with a side of inspiration. Here is your host, Big Rich Brock. Hi, I'm Big Rich Brock and welcome to Big Rich and Friends. Thank you so much for tuning in to my podcast. I've got a great time planned for us today. I'm going to jump right in and I want to talk to you about something that I term in my comedy, if I was in charge. You know, if I was in charge, I think one of the things that I would go ahead and make mandatory is we would put a breathalyzer on all social media. I mean, be honest, most of us can pretty much tell when somebody's had a little too much in them or a little too much on them and they start commenting on social media. I got a buddy who's 55 years old and he'll post something after he's been drinking all night and his sweet mama will buzz him on his phone and say, you need to take that down. 14 seconds later, it's removed or it's hidden off of his Facebook or his Instagram. And it's because he's been drinking too much and he's decided to start commenting on things. So I thought, let's make it simple. Let's just put a breathalyzer on everybody's phone or their computer. So when you get ready to post something, you've got to breathe on the thing. You know, a little, (sighs) once you breathe on it, it's going to let us know what's going on. And then I think the simplest way is to put just a little emoji on their forehead. So when you're on there, just a little emoji is going to pop up. And I guess the one that makes the most sense is we'd do the little dookie emoji. You know which one I'm talking about because you're pretty much saying that you're faced right there on the spot. So every time you've been drinking and you want to get on social media or you want to get on your dating app, there's going to be that emoji. You blow into that, you blow into that breathalyzer. We're all going to know. And it'd make life a lot simpler because it's hard, man. I'm telling you. When I stepped into the dating world again, I was married 25 plus years. We dated three and a half. I was a youth pastor or called to be a pastor. As a young man, I met my boy, the boy's mother, the mother of my children. We started dating. Man, I was 21 years old when I met her. And then we were married till I was, good Lord, I got to do the math, but I was upper 40s. And then it was time for me to go back out in the dating world. Man, things had changed. I hadn't been on a first date since the 1900s. I could have used that breathalyzer on that Facebook and that match.com to know what was going on, to give me a look. I didn't understand nothing. I didn't know what catfish meant. I didn't know what a filter was. I thought you put a filter on a cigarette. I didn't know you put it on a picture. I didn't know you could make yourself look like you didn't have a blemish or a wrinkle or it looked like your face was going to break when they uh, when they smiled. I didn't know anything. I hadn't been on a date since the 1900s. I didn't know. And lo and behold, I thought, man, what am I going to do? I was a pastor for 25 plus years. I remember, man, when I went through my first divorce, my phone rang one night and it was a lady from the church. Only women I knew were people I was their pastor and I wasn't going to do that. That wasn't my style. Then I thought, well, man, I got three sons and all of them are in sports. They got a lot of friends. I started looking around. I said, man, I wonder if that woman's single. My boy said, "Uh uh-uh, we ain't going that route. We don't need you dating any of our friends, mama. That's the last thing we need to happen. And I thought, well, I work by myself and for myself. So where am I going to meet these people? 
And lo and behold, my phone rang one night. It was one of these ladies I used to pastor. And she said, Pastor, I'm so sorry. I heard. I said, what are you talking about? I heard about your divorce. I heard what that Jezebel did to you. If you don't know what that word is, that name, you got to look it up in your Bible or on the dictionary or maybe Google it. But uh, no, my boy's mama wasn't a Jezebel, but that lady called her one because, you know, she was trying to make me feel better. And I said, nah, sister, she's fine. You know, it just happened. It's life. Things happen. She says, well, pastor, I'm so sorry. Is there anything that you need? No, I'm good. Everything's good. I'm just enjoying life and taking care of my boys and, uh, and you know, and working with my, my friends and hanging out. She says, you sure you don't need anything? I mean, anything. I was like, oh, I know what she's talking about. I said, no, I'm good. I don't need that. Not from her anyway. A couple of days later, the phone rang again. It was her 29-year-old daughter. And she said, pastor, I heard. I said, well, I'm, a, I'm not your pastor any longer. Oh, you'll always be. Mama told me what happened. I'm so sorry. She says, is there anything I can do for you? I said, no, I'm good. She said, pastor, I mean anything. I said, let me think about it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I didn't. I said, no, I'm, I'm marching along. I'm doing well. I'll figure it out as I go. And I just thought, man, it's so it's such a different world. If you've been there or if you're dating now and you're a little bit older, man, when I was 20 years old, when I met my the, the mother of my children, here's what I asked her. I said, do you do drugs? You know what I ask now when I'm out dating? Are you on medication, baby? <laughs> it's a whole different conversation. I remember asking back then when I was 20, hey, do you think you'd like to have kids one day? Now I ask, hey, do you live with your kids? That's the kind of stuff you want to know in your 50s versus your 20s. It takes on a whole different culture. And I'm telling you, the first date I went on after my divorce, man, I didn't know what to do. So I, I didn't know anybody. I didn't want the people I knew. I didn't want them to know I was thinking about dating. So I did whatever red-blooded American did. Um, if he had any, if he had 29.95, I joined match.com, you know, you might be on, there's kind of a scale. You look and you see, there's kind of a scale on this, uh, this dating apps. You've got the plenty of fish and the tender down there. Then you work your way up to bumble. You know, you pay a little bit and then match.com. Then you hit the Cadillac, the, uh, eHarmony. You know, that's for the serious takers there. But I got on match.com and I was looking around. And I thought, man, oh, I know that woman. I thought, oh, Lord, wonder if they see me. I don't want them to know I'm on here. And then I had this woman reach out to me. She lived about an hour from my house. I thought, you know, that's safe because I don't want my kids to see me out. I'd be embarrassed. I thought, I'll talk to her a little bit. She was nice. She owned her own business. She is a hairdresser. So I knew her hair was going to look good. I might even get a free cut out of it if everything went well. And we started talking, but I didn't even know back. I mean, I didn't know. I didn't know to have a conversation. I just typed back and forth. I didn't know what catfishing was. And we're typing back and forth and I'm asking her things. She's asking me, this went on for a week and then it turned into two. And every night she'd say on there, Hey, we need to get together. I really want to meet you. I, I just don't think I'm ready. I just don't think I'm ready. Then my mother had passed, her mother had passed and been sick. And I, we just connected there just chatting 
was lonely. You know, my boys weren't with me if, if they were with their mother. And I thought, well, I guess I'll go for it. So I told her, I said, listen, why don't we meet for coffee? She says, well, if that's all you're willing to do, I'm willing. Let's do it. So I looked and I found a spot that was halfway between my house and hers, far enough away from my house that I hopefully didn't run into anybody I know. And we went to the Starbucks. Now, let me clarify this Starbucks. This wasn't a town that had its own freestander. This was inside the grocery store, that kind. So I get there. And I get there early because I'm a gentleman, and that's what us Brocks do. And I'm sitting there, and I'm just looking out the window, people watching. And you might say, how boring. Well, let me ask you, you ever been to Pigeon Forge or Gatlinburg? Yeah, that's what I thought. Then you know what or uh, you know what people watching is because that's what people do up there. So I'm sitting there at the window, and I'm just watching people as they come in, come out. And all of a sudden, I see this van pull up. Now, I don't mean like a mom van or a soccer mom. I'm talking about a 1900s van, and we're talking 2020s up here. And she pulls in this van and pulls that thing in and parks in the handicapped spot. And I'm just watching this lady, and it caught my attention because she didn't have a handicap, handicap tag. And I thought, man, that ain't right. But I looked, and I said, well, that's an older woman, so she's probably got some health issues. And I was watching her, and she opened up her car door, and cigarette smoke just flew out. Man, it looked like Spicoli from Fast Times at Rich Maha. Man, smoke was coming out of that thing, and I said, man, that lady is a trip. And I watched her, and she dug through her pocketbook, and she got her some gum out. Now, ladies, you know, if you're trying to hide the smell of some weed, I mean some cigarette smoke, uh, you'll probably get you a piece of dentine, maybe a piece of Wrigley's. Not this woman. She got hubba bubba. She got the big league chew. Man, she got a big old wad of gum, and she started chewing on it like a cow on cud. And she was working that gum, and she was getting herself together. She started walking into that Starbucks, and then she stopped. And she turned, and she looked into the window of a car right there and looked at her reflection and took a deep breath, and she spit that gum out. Not in a tissue. Not in a Kleenex. She just did it good old North Georgia, you know, just spit it out on the ground. I thought, my goodness, I'm probably going to step on that on the way out. Make a mental note. Then she looked again, and she lined herself up. She got her, she was a little off-centered there, if you know what I mean. She got straightened up, took a deep breath, and she started walking into the grocery store, a.k.a. Starbucks. I thought, man, this little lady's getting her groceries. She is a trip. I said, I got my eye on her. This is kind of fun. Well, I got news for you. She walked in and she got closer to me, closer and closer and walked straight up to my table. And I'm going to do her voice one time because I got to do comedy shows for all the rest this week. But this is the way she sounded. She said, hey, doll, have you been waiting long? And man, my voice went back to, I was 12 years old, hit puberty. I said, who, me? I sounded like Shaggy on the Scooby-Doo. She says, yeah, doll. And she talked like that. Sounded like she'd been smoking since she's like out of the womb. And her voice, and she called me doll constantly. I thought I was at the Waffle House instead of meeting this woman out here at Starbucks. And I said, ma'am, can I help you? She goes, yeah, I'm your date. I was like, oh, my Lord. That wasn't the same picture that she put on her profile. 
And I said, are you sure? And my cousin said, man, I'd have got the heck out of there. But I'm a nice guy, and I didn't know no better. It's my first date since the 1900s. I didn't know what to do. So I said, would you like some coffee? And I thought, I'll talk to her a minute. She goes, sure. I said, how do you like it? She goes, I like my coffee like I like my men, strong. And I thought, well, I don't have a gym membership, so I don't, I'll don't. i be all right on that. I got her coffee. I sit down at the table, and I'm on one side of the table, and friend, she's on the other. And lo and behold, she swung her chair all the way around to my side. And she was right up against me. And she put her hand on my thigh. Come on, somebody. My upper thigh. And then she said this to me. She said, if you'll take me to dinner tonight, I'll make you breakfast in the morning. Man, Big Rich, what'd you do? I said, the only thing I knew to say, I said, I don't eat breakfast. Hey, I'm Big Rich Brock. I love me some breakfast. I could eat some biscuits and gravy all day long. And I didn't know what else to say. And I thought, I got to get out of here. I looked around. I thought uh, Candy Camera was out there filming for you older people. For you younger ones, I thought I was getting pumped. I didn't know what was happening, but I thought this cannot be real. There's no way this is happening to me today. I hadn't been on a date since 1900s, and here I am in this predicament. This cannot be happening, but guess what it was? What'd you do? I said, I just was honest with her. I was like, I just don't think I can do this. And she said, I got a confession to make. I said, oh, no, is your name really Steve? <laughs> That's what I thought. And her confession was this. Those pictures aren't really me. I thought, no kidding. She said, they're my younger sister. I didn't even hesitate. I said, how much younger? <laughs> she said, 14 years. I said, hey, what's your sister up to tonight? No, I didn't. I didn't. I asked her, why would you do that? She says, well, everybody says we look just alike. Well, everybody's lying to you or everybody needs their eyes checked because they did not look alike. But she was so insecure about what she had going on that she used her sister's picture. And that's what me and my friends call her to this day's old sister picture. Or we call her Hey Doll. And when I do my comedy, we call her Hey Doll. But that's a true story. That happened to me. And, man, I got out of there, and I thought, oh, I, I started praying. I said, God, I'm so sorry. I don't need to be out here doing this. I'm getting off at Match.com, and I did for about two and a half weeks. <laughs> and then I, I found somebody else I started talking to a little bit, and things got a little bit better. But I'm telling you, there's some crazy stuff that goes on out there. It's a whole different world dating today in your 40s and 50s than it was dating when you were 20 or 25. And I know there's a lot of things out there. There. But I also realized this, and you know, here's something on the serious note. If you're not willing to be vulnerable, you're never going to find love. And being vulnerable stinks. It ain't no fun because you got to trust and you got to be willing. And, and I've been there and I've been on both sides of it, but I've learned this in doing comedy. I had to be vulnerable in comedy too. I had to be willing to share things about myself. I had to be willing to step out of my comfort zone. And there's anything you do in life worth having is going to require some kind of sacrifice. Most people just don't wake up with that silver spoon coddled in their mouth. It's something that requires work. It requires effort. 
And I am so happy that I survived that first date and I got through it on the other side. And I would encourage you to remember this. You might be in that same place. Instead of asking, do you do drugs? You might be saying, what medications do you take? That might be where you're at in life. But you enjoy yourself and you enjoy life because life is a vapor and you've got to enjoy it. You've got to embrace it. And I'm enjoying doing comedy. I'm enjoying doing what I've got going on here at the podcast. And if you're listening to me today and you want to come out to a Big Rich show, you can visit my website at Big Rich Brock Comedy. Check it out. Look at some of the things we've got on YouTube, on TikTok. You can follow me on Instagram and like my Facebook page, at Big Rich Brock Comedy. And I'm going to be in the city of Ringgold, Georgia, right outside of Chattanooga, on Friday night, May the 12th, we're doing a show there at Caffeine Addicts. It's a clean comedy show at a great coffee shop restaurant right there in the middle of town. Right around the corner, there's a giant mural, a Dolly Parton. You can get your picture made with Dolly before you come to the Big Rich Show. But we're going to have a good time. You can visit my website or my Facebook to get ticket information. I've got more shows coming. I do a lot of shows right now in the Cartersville, Kennesaw, Marietta, Atlanta area. I've got things going on in Chattanooga and Northwest Georgia. And like I said, the best is yet to come. So I hope you have a great week. Thank you again for tuning in to Big Rich and Friends. And we'll see you next time. Be blessed. You've been listening to another episode of Big Rich Brock and Friends. For more information and past shows, go to our website, bigrichbrockcomedy.com. Thank you for listening.